PSHSS podcast. Let's talk learning. Today we welcome Councillor Julian Coughlin, Mayor of County Cork, to our school. Good morning, Lucy. Good morning, Orla. Good morning. Morning. It's lovely to be here in Clonakilty on a beautiful sunny autumn day and I'm really looking forward to this podcast. Lovely to have you. Um, so tell us a little about yourself. Well, yes, I, as you've mentioned, I am the Mayor of the County of Cork at present, which is a, a great uh, honour and I'm having, having a really nice time. But uh, I started off, like yourselves, in a convent school in Bandon, in Colossian Turvita and Bandon Presentation Primary School, and on through the secondary school and on to Trinity College, where I studied history and political science. And from there, I became a teacher. I did the higher diploma in education. And um, I'm cu- currently teaching in Colossian and Fierce in Glenmire, Egmuna Star, Trigwelga, August Furrier, Fuilohar, Tom Egtogant Suscarama, August Tom Marvera. But um, so, yes, I became a teacher. And then sometime thereafter, I decided to become involved in electoral politics and I ran for the town council. And um, yes, I have a family. I'm married to my husband, Don, and we have three children, Aidan, Maeve and Ronan. So Maeve is currently attending Closhna Turvita and Bandon. Um, Aidan is studying chemistry uh, in UCC and Ronan is in Laura National School. Um, what's your best memory of school? I have very many fond memories of secondary school, I must admit. As you saw, I arrived here to school today, um, into this studio, with my very best friend who I made in school, Miss um, Miss Shanahan, Helen. And uh, I have very fond memories of going off on trips with my friends, particularly in transition year. Um, we, When transition year began in our school, they piloted it with 26 students, which caused, as you can imagine, a little bit of rancour at the time. But for those who were chosen, we were really given an excellent year. And so I remember great trips to the theatre. We had a week in Capena Lee, which was magnificent. Um, excellent um, opportunities to take part in things at the time. The, the Kellogg's Physical Education Awards, the beginning of the focus on physical education and fitness. Um, and again, we had you know, nights away in Dublin and again, great teachers who encouraged us and gave their free time, which I know is still happening here in this school and many schools around the country in sports and in many other aspects. So I have very, very fond memories of, um, of school, make, making my friends, the friends that are still really with me and, and are my, my closest friends. And of course, then after school, socialising and fun also, which is very important as well. So why did you become a teacher? That's a good question. And it's, it's, it was one I had to reflect on when I, when I was given the preparatory questions. I became a teacher, I suppose, because it, it's like politics. They're, they're similar. Um, when you're a teacher, you, you do make a difference. And as I went through secondary school in particular myself, I was, I was a very happy student. And the teachers that I had made a difference in my life and, cer- in my life and certainly inspired me. Um, even subjects that perhaps I wasn't so strong on. I'm thinking maths now in particular. I wasn't a very strong maths student. But the work I had to do there, to work harder to, be, to, be, to get the results that I got. Um, but the encouragement and the, the teaching, you know, and, and that, I, that I received. So I felt it was a very natural choice for me. I didn't have to think very hard about it at the time. Um, when I finished my degree, um, I had to, it just happened that I wanted to come home to County Cork and back to Bandon. So I felt that teaching would be um, something that would be 
something fulfilling and that I could undertake um, and that would that I could be employed in locally as well. It was important for me to, to work locally. So that that is why I became a teacher and I'm very glad I did. And the skills that I saw being used in the classrooms when I was your age and, and younger um, are now hopefully the skills that I am that I'm using. But also teaching has changed hugely with technology, um, with society. You know, there are a lot more, I suppose, demands on teachers in one way, insofar as students are bringing a lot more into the classroom than they may have had in the past. And yet at the, at the end of the day, it is about, you know, building uh, a professional relationship within your classroom, building an atmosphere where people can learn, where they're happy, where they feel safe and where they can fulfill their potential. And I think there is no more gratifying thing for a teacher than to see uh, a student fulfill their potential, whatever that may be. So the result that I got in my maths test um, and my leaving cert maths meant as much to my maths teacher, perhaps more than others, other teachers, perhaps who you know found it easy for me. I, I found easier subjects easier to retain, um, and so I, I think of that very often when I have students maybe who struggle at the subjects I teach, and you know that's the skill to to engage them and to. Um, to get them to fulfil their potential. So that's that's why I became a teacher. And would education reform be part of your political stance? Yes, I think we do we do education very well in Ireland. We're very lucky, you know, part of um, you know, our history as a republic has very much been focused on education and education for citizenship. And I think that is very important, um, focusing on our culture, our, our language, our identity, our history, but also the skills necessary to go out into the world of work and to become active members of our of our communities and active members of our republic and international citizens, of course, as well. Um, I would, however, think that we are at a time at a crossroads in education. As I've said earlier, the impact of digitalization on education is huge um, for, for good and for ill. There are, there are two sides to that coin. I think nothing can ever replace the teacher in the classroom. It's very, very important. I think after the 18 months that we've had sitting at home on Teams or on Zoom, listening to the teacher perhaps, or doing work without the instruction of the teacher, without the camaraderie of your, of your peers in the classroom, really, I think we all agreed it didn't work very, very well. Very little was learned, I think, at, during that time, as in content. But from a professional point of view, I think we learned, yes, that the teacher is very important in the classroom. But the aids, the, the technological aids, the amount of information now that the internet um, has provided us with, certainly they're huge assets as well in education, you know. And when we think back to the hedge schools, you know, they didn't, they hadn't even a, a blackboard or chalk. We've come so far in, in, in um, technology and education. So it is to strike a balance, I think. That's where we need to, to really look now to strike a balance between the, um, the assistance that technology can provide and the integral role of the teacher in the classroom or wherever he or she may be. I would also like to see more of a focus um, on apprenticeships. I think as teachers and as parents and as, as students, we need to look again at the world of work. And while we must follow our dream and follow our interests and our talents, we must not always think of, of the university as the only place to go after, after school. And I think that if we begin to sort of unravel that and begin to open our minds to that, we will have a young citizenry that's much more capable of 
um, that sort of can-do attitude that, you know, the young revolutionaries had, you know, let's just do it. Rather than looking for a job or, you know, seeking for somebody else to employ them, that you would start your own businesses or that you would, you know, invent something or go even go into a company and, and take on the responsibilities yourselves. So I do feel that 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 part of education does need to be reformed. And maybe it's an attitudinal reform as much as anything else, that we would focus on apprenticeships, focus on skills, rather than perhaps always just the the, the degree and the way into work in, in that respect. Absolutely. Um, would What inspired you to become a counsellor? So as I mentioned earlier, there, there's similar trades, really, teaching and, and being a counsellor. Um, I suppose I'm, I'm conscious I'm here in um, in the Sacred Heart Secondary School, which has a, a religious ethos and a, a Catholic ethos. And I myself also attended a convent school. I think there is something probably that when you attend a, attend a religious school, you're you are instilled with a sense of looking out for other people. And as I reflected on, on this question, um, I think that that's probably what inspired me to become a counsellor. We, you know, we were always taught, as I'm sure you are here as well, you know, look out for people, help people where you can. Um, and, and hopefully if your day comes where you need a hand up, that somebody will, will do the same for you. And so in, in Bandon at the time when I ran for the town council initially, we had um, significant problems with flooding. Okay, A lot of businesses and um, premises in the middle of the town were being flooded. And the town seemed a little bit dejected and, and neglected, really, by, by Cork County Council. So I ran for, um, for town council at that time. And with my colleagues, we got the government and Cork County Council to agree that the river should be dredged. And now the river is dredged and we won't have flooding abandoned anymore, thanks, thankfully. But it took all that time. So that was 2009 that I was first elected to, Cor- to town, Bandon Town Council. And we had a dreadful flood. Um, that year and the subsequent years as well. So the little, I mean, before we got the government to to commit the funding for the big dredge, we had Cork County Council commit to little cleanings, they call them, you know, to clean out the gravel out of the river. So it's the increment. It's, it's about standing up, using your voice and triangulating the most important needs in a community and saying, well, look, if, if these needs are addressed, things will improve. And I had, I felt at that time, and many felt at that time that, as I say, my own town of Bandon maybe didn't have a strong voice. And particularly at that time, a young voice, you know, that it was maybe people um, who had been in the system for a very long time. And that's not to undermine what they had been saying, but it, it, we felt that the, um, the the results weren't weren't shown. So when we ran for town council at that time, there were a younger a younger cohort, and it did create an energy and. Then I suppose that's now, you know, 12 years ago, many people do that and get their issue solved and leave politics because politics is not an easy, an easy game to play. Um, however, I stayed in politics because I, the gratification of getting that job done. And thankfully, you know, people continue to elect me and um, trust me to be their voice on the issues that affect them around around the locality. Um, and so that, that was it. You know, it is, I suppose, using your voice and being able to represent people's interest. And the more that you do that, the more you learn about people, the more you learn about how the state can sometimes 
and leave people behind. I mean, I know in particular in my in my work as a counsellor, many women, many um, maybe single moms, that sort of thing come to me. Housing is a huge issue. So the state, while it does great work and while it provides us with schools and, and all of that, there are sometimes rules and regulations which marginalise people and which, pe- which keep people in poverty or at disadvantage. And so often they come to, to counsellors and it is a huge it's a huge compliment. It is it's a huge trust, really, um, when people come to you and tell you their issues, you know, and, and ask you to help them. Um, and so getting back to where we restarted with the the ethos of a religious school, where you help where you can. And with the mandate of being a counsellor, I have that influence at County Hall to be able to ring somebody with the power in County Hall to say, well, look, could we, is this person on the housing list? Can we get them on the list? Can we help them? And so again, things don't happen very quickly, but at least there's incremental change. What are your core values with regard to public office? I think the core value that anybody has to have going into public office is integrity, that you are honest and that you say what you mean and that you, if you take a stand on something, um, that you that you mean it. Now, that's not to say that you are entrenched. If I take a stand on something and I learn or I'm persuaded or I understand, I further understand that there's a different way of looking at it, then I'm open to being, you know, to, to having a debate about things. But um, integrity and honesty is, I think, are the core values. And if people feel that you're honest and that you are telling them the truth, then they will trust you to, to represent them. And that really, that's the most important thing is, you know, is every politician, you know, is that to say that I'm a saint? No, I'm not. But they're, they're the, the core values by which I, by which I trade as a politician, that I will try my best to work for you as honestly as I can. Um, like, it's obviously amazing to see like women like you and like Holly around because there's not many females, I suppose, representing um in Ireland compared to obviously other countries like we haven't had a female prime like Taoiseach would you say so what are your like future plans now? Certainly uh, I I must say I'm very happy to be the mayor of the county I'm very happy to be a county councillor and I am pleased that the influence can be brought to bear you know Um, people say oh this is a stepping stone and if it is great and if if I can um, get a mandate to serve in Doyle Aaron. I would love to. I certainly would love to be a TD for Cork Southwest and represent the people from Beira to Belgooli as best I can. However, um, if that doesn't happen, I'm very happy with the mandate that I have, you know, and you can only operate at the level at which you are. And so right now, right here, I'm a very happy camper to be the, the mayor of the county. I have been given that privilege by my fellow councillors, 54 fellow councillors, um, elected me to, into the chair of Cork County Council and I'm determined, I've taken the year out of school as I've said, I'm determined to do it as well as I can for them and for all of the people who elected them, you know. And I must say that, you know, even this morning I had a call from a lovely community group in the north of the county asking me to speak out a commemoration and there is great regard for the chain because of the good work that Cork County Council and Cork County Councillors do. So while, yes, to make national policy, and, and policy is a passion of mine, I would love that at, at Doyle Aaron level, um, we can really be very effective at local level. And that is why there is such regard for the chain, because Cork County Council does good work around the, around the county. It delivers, um, you know, it, it is 
providing houses, it is helping communities. And I think that's, that's really, it's a great privilege for me to go out there and see that and to respond to that, you know. And would you think you have a hero? I was thinking about this. Um, historically, as a history teacher, I suppose, in, as particularly here in Ireland, Wolf Tone, Theobald Wolf Tone would be a great hero of mine. Um, when we get to that chapter in the junior search history book, <laughs> the kids know there's going to be a week, a week at least, about Wolf Tone himself. Um, the fact that Wolf Tone could see republicanism as an all-encompassing uh, philosophy, you know, where the liberty, where freedom, okay, where people were free, um, equality, where nobody had, you know, could look down on anybody else. And that sense of fraternity, okay, the ideals of the French Revolution, solidarity with each other, helping each other out, that community that we have in Ireland, you know. Um, so Wolf Tone in particular, I suppose, would be a great hero. If we're coming up into the, into the modern era, I certainly look up to Christine Lagarde. I don't always agree with her, but I admire the way in which she can, again, run a meeting, run a huge organisation like the International Monetary, um, the IMF, the, and um, that's very, very, it's very impressive. Also then, I, I know you're here as, as English students, Seamus Heaney was a great hero of mine. And um, I think that, you know, his, his insights, his, um, reflections, particularly as an Irish person and particularly, I suppose, again, with the conflict in the North, the way in which he expressed that, because you can think things and feel things, but how you say them and how you express them matters, you know, and he didn't want to always focus on the violence or say it in so many words. And so he, he looked at the violence obliquely. And um, I think that was very impressive, you know, things like Tolland Man, where he, you know, expressed the dreadful, dreadful violence that had been perpetrated on an old bog body. But of course, it echoed into the dreadful violence that has had been wreaked in um, in his own locality in the north and, and around the border. So that that intelligence um, and that intelligence with language in particular, I really admire and wish I had. So kind of going with that, um, what's your favourite motto or like quote? I think to thine own self be true. You know, if you can look at yourself in the morning uh, in the mirror and not um, not have anything on your conscience, not be not be guilty about anything, and not many. You know, every day there might be something you might say, "God, I should have done this or that better." But as long as you are, you know, working within your own moral code and you've your own moral compass. I think that, that that's very important. Then you're you're more or less content, you know. You're not anxious, you're not um, you're not working against your own your own core being. And I think that that's very important. When you are true to yourself and when you kind of reflect on what is important to you, then if you're working along that line, you're generally happy. And you mentioned earlier that you were a student in Bandon Convent. And if you were looking at your teenage self today, what advice would you give yourself? Yes, and I, again, I'm very nostalgic, as I, especially as I meet my friend and, uh, and walk around a secondary school and look at the uniforms. I think while the teenage experience has certainly changed hugely in that amount of time, at the end of the day, I would say to, to myself, you know, don't take your talents for granted. Um, and and don't hide them under a bushel. You know, whatever it is, 
um, it may not be the, the, the most impressive talent or it may not be the talent that everybody uh, admires, but it is your talent, it is your gift. And every teenager, I think, every one of us is unique and special and everybody has, a, you know, has so much to offer. And yet, when you're a teenager, you don't really realise that. You think that, you know, others are more beautiful or more eloquent or better at maths or whatever the case may be. So whatever your talent is, um, it is yours. And, and don't hide it or be ashamed of it or shy away from it. You know, nurture it and be happy with it. And if, again, I suppose it's about being true to yourself, that when you do that, then you are content and you are centred. And um, as I say, while it's it's much more difficult to be a teenager now, I would say, than it was then, um, I think that's still good advice, you know, that we, we all have so much to offer. And also, as, as you get older, that, that effervescence and that verve leaves. So, you know, enjoy it while you are young. And what would your own talent be? <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's a bit like too much like the praising of myself. Um, I suppose looking back at it now, um, it, it probably perhaps at that at school, it would have been public speaking. OK, and it was something that I very much enjoyed. I had a beloved teacher um, in in first, second and third and fourth year who uh, unfortunately um, died of cancer. Mrs. Bessie Flynn, and she gave hours of her own free time taking us to concern debates and optimists competitions. And while I was never the best at it, I really enjoyed it and I did try to improve. And as I, I suppose, got older and went to college, I did take part then in the Historical Society in Trinity College. In fact, the first um, debate I took part in there was chaired by the late Dermot Morgan, Father Ted. Um, and again, it, it, it was my thing, you know, and it's now, I suppose, become part of my life, you know, and that it's what I do all the time. Um, and that, that has stood to me. And I suppose as Robert Frost has made all the difference. So thank you for coming today. We've really enjoyed your company. You were amazing to listen to and we hope to see you again in the future. Thank you both, Lucy and Orla, and to your teacher, Miss um, Bell. I really enjoyed it today. Best of luck now in your future plans and as mayor as well. Many, many thanks. It was a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.